Hi, this is Bill Prater, and welcome to the Business Builders Show, where we feature champions in their respective industries from all over the planet. Our mission is to provide you with timely, provocative, and actionable resources that will end up inspiring, promoting, and accelerating your quest for business excellence. Today, we're going to find out how and why to renegotiate your commercial lease in today's environment. And Barry Sawitz is going to tell us how to do that and much, much more. Barry's got 25 years of experience in the real estate industry. He's the CEO of his own company, Sawitz Company. That company is a commercial real estate brokerage investment management and consulting firm, which is in Newport Beach, California. Barry, thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing your cocktail hour with us. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. And I'll postpone the cocktail hour. We thought we'd talk a little bit of business. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. Barry, I know that you've got a lot a complex business. You serve lots of folks. So when I say who do you serve, think about customers and prospects and vendors and employees. Who do you serve? Yeah. So the Saywitz company is a, as you mentioned, a commercial real estate brokerage and consulting firm. And we specifically represent tenants or users of commercial real estate. So anyone who would lease or want to buy commercial real estate, you don't see a lot of signs that say the Saywitz company on the building where we're trying to attract people to come and rent space. We represent the folks and the companies who are inside the buildings. And so our clients are small, medium, large uh, size companies. They are multinational companies. They are multi-billion dollar companies, or they are down to sole proprietors and, and small law firms and professional firms, both here in Southern California, where we're based, but then also uh, throughout the country and really throughout the world. And so we have done uh, transactions in all 50 states, as well as throughout Canada and Mexico, uh, and probably negotiate transactions at any given time in 20 or 25 states. And when we talk about who do we serve, our typical clients are the owners, the CEOs, the CFOs, the presidents of the company who are the decision makers, who are dealing with the money, who are dealing with the real estate, which directly affects the bottom line. No doubt about it. So Barry, I know that you just listed a large relatively large list of people that you serve, but I'm guessing that they've got a singular or multiple problems which you've identified and your company can solve for them. So what are those problems that, that your your customers and so forth have? Yeah. And so I guess in a general sense, they've got real estate. I don't know if I'd call them problems, but I'd call them issues, right? And so those issues need to get addressed and they need to get solved one way or the other. And, and no different than hiring an attorney or an accountant to help you with your taxes or your lawsuit. You want to hire a real estate professional or a real a professional real estate company to assist you in making sound business decisions, gathering whatever information you need about the market, but then also helping you to negotiate the best deal. And typically our clients Clients are A-type personalities. They are running their own business. It's not to say that they can't negotiate a contract or haven't or don't do it every day. But I, I would just say, as a business owner myself, I would not go to court and represent myself. I would not pretend to know how to do my complex taxes. I hire professionals to do that. And so the same applies with real estate. And so as much as 
lots of folks out there have bought a house and sold it for more money than what they've made. It doesn't make you an expert in commercial real estate. There's other things you need to know and deal with. Our goal in terms of servicing our clients is to A, add value, B, save them time, and C, save them money at the end of the day and protect them with whatever real estate investment or transaction they're doing. So Barry, maybe it would be nice for you to give us a case study or two about a client who came to you, somehow they found you, how'd they find you? And then what was their issue? And what did you do as far as helping them negotiate a favorable long or or short-term commercial rates? In most instances, either the client finds us, but we are not a household name. Uh, In many instances, we are reaching out to the decision makers and and contacting them to see if we can assist. And so sometimes people are reluctant to open themselves up to new ideas or new help. But uh, again, our goal is to analyze it to them and come to them with a solution or a proposal as to how we would address whatever they have going on. I'll give you an example. 35 years ago, there was a company that's based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they have 400 locations around the country. And I was much younger than I am now. And I was on the phone cold calling and I talked to the head of real estate and he said, look, we don't need any help. We have companies who help us. We're perfectly fine. We don't have any issues. And I said, how do you know you don't have any issues? I said, look, you have a lease that's coming up. Your lease is in San Francisco Bay area. That market at the time was very hot. And the real estate market had doubled or even tripled from when they had signed their lease five years earlier. And I said, you're going to be faced with a tripling of your rent. And and so did you realize that? And the market's very tight. There's no place for you to move. And you're going to get a very big increase that's going to go right to the bottom line. It's not only going to not be good for the operating entity that's there, won't be good for the company, won't look good for you that you made a bad deal. Either way, you're going to make a bad deal. My goal would be to help save you money. So he said, how are you going to do that? I said, let us do the analysis. Let us analyze the market. Let us try and find some other opportunities out there that are on the lower end of the stick so that we can use that as leverage against the current landlord. Secondly, I don't care how hot the market is. If you are a good tenant with good credit and you pay your rent on time and you don't need a lot of work to remain in your existing space, if any, uh, then there's a savings to the landlord and you should not be paying retail rent. So don't let the landlord tell you the market is X. Therefore, I want you to pay X. It's not fair. It's not right. And if you do that, you've wasted a lot of money. And so a lot of times what people do when they renegotiate their lease is they go look at the comps, just no different than when you go to sell your house, you go my neighbor's house sold for X and I got a bigger yard than him. So I should get more money. None of that makes any sense in commercial real estate. And none of that gets you any leverage when you're negotiating. Our goal and our process that we've developed over the years is to negotiate from the landlord's best alternative, next best alternative, not the tenant's. Tenant's next best alternative is I pick up my toys and I pick up my company and I move someplace else. And you might find something cheaper, but it's going to cost you to move. There is a cost, there is disruption to move. When you do that, the landlord has to go find a new tenant. The space will sit. Nobody moves in on Saturday when you move out on Friday. The Nobody's going to take the space exactly the way you have it. And the, if you've been there a long time, the landlord will have to fix it up. Now, in today's environment, it gets even more complicated because there are code issues 
So if you haven't improved the space in a while, when you go to touch it or fix it up or go to get a permit, it triggers all of these code issues, especially here in California, where you have environmental code issues, you have handicap code issues, you have lighting code issues, and then you get stuck with all these other costs as the landlord and the new tenants not paying for that. So you need to be educated to take advantage of those things to use that to bring the cost down. And somewhere between the landlord's next best alternative and the tenants is a win. If you as the tenant decide to renew at the market rent or the landlord says, look, the market rent's a dollar. You're a good tenant. You've been here, Bill, for a long time. I'll tell you what, I'm going to make you a deal. How about you pay 95 cents? It's cheaper than the rest of the market. You can't find anything else to move to. It's all true. But the fact of the matter is, if you moved and he rented the space for a dollar, he might actually only net 65 cents because he has all these other costs that he has to incur. So a better solution would be to settle at 75 cents, which is better than the landlord's next best alternative, better than your next best alternative, and saves the company a whole bunch of money right to the bottom line. Because rent after payroll expenses for most industries really is the largest a single expense to the bottom line. And if your rent got doubled or tripled, then it, it just all comes right off your profitability. So we, we so I explained that to the client and the potential client. He said, all right, I'll give you one to try it. I got this one in San Francisco. Go ahead and do it. So we did it. And I saved him a million bucks in about two and a half weeks and showed him how we did that. And he said, all right, I got another one. And then he gave me another one. But in that market, it was the converse. The converse was in that particular market, the market was struggling. And he'd signed that lease four and a half years earlier when the market there was very hot. And then now it was much lower and he had six months left on his lease. And he said, what are you going to do there? And I said, ah, here's a little different strategy. Now we're going to go back and renegotiate the lease. But this time we have a different set of circumstances in that if you leave, the landlord's going to have a very difficult time renting the space because the market's soft and there aren't that many people out there looking around and he's still got all these costs and expense and then he's not even going to get the same rent that you're paying today. So my strategy there was to go back now, renegotiate the lease, get the rent reduced today rather than waiting six months until the lease is up get the space fixed up and spruced up for his local staff and then lock in the rate at a much lower rate. And so he said, boy, that sounds good. Why are you going to do it again? And I said, I am. A month and a half later, we renegotiated that lease, saved them another million dollars. And I showed him how we did it. And he locked in. Needless to say, that guy went to the CEO of the company, touted saving the company $2 million in a 30-day period. I don't care how big of a company is, it's real money. And so then I said, do you got anything else? And he said, happy to do it. And so that's how we've built our client base over the years. I would not pretend to know the market in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, or other parts of the country the way I would know it in Southern California, where we've been for decades. At the same time, I would tell you that I do know how to negotiate a deal and I do know how to create leverage. And our company is structured around doing that regardless of where the transaction is and regardless of whether the market is hot or soft, whether our client is paying above market rent, at market rent, below market rent. And once the client's comfortable with our ability to negotiate on their behalf, then it's just a question of applying the strategy to the micro of each individual transaction. And so that's the concept of how we do it. Uh, I don't know if that ropes it into a ball for you. But that's a nice job, Barry. I appreciate that very much. 
Now, our listeners are thinking real estate brokers, they're just sitting in a toll booth, punching a ticket when people go by. So that's the competition in my view, most of my listeners' view. Uh, you've already given us a little bit of a hint of how you're different from your competition, particularly being on the tenant side primarily. Right. But how else are you different, Barry, from your competition out there? Yeah. So we get asked that question all the time. And I get asked it in the conference room in front of a group of people, especially right. if a firm is interviewing several firms or has an existing relationship. What I would say to you, Bill, or anybody else that is out there that is listening is that number one, if you make a deal at market, you have in effect cost yourself money. And secondly, uh, doing a deal at market didn't add any value as the broker. Thirdly, our goal is not to go out and show you a building and say, hey, Bill, this building's blue, this building's green, which one do you like? And then that served the purpose. In today's economy, especially with people's access to technology, anyone can go on the internet and find out available space in the market. No different than uh, a homeowner searching for a home can go on Zillow or Redfin or some of these other websites and get access to information. That does not make you an expert in the real estate market. And in commercial, we're not dealing with emotions, we're dealing with money. This is not the home I'm going to live in for the rest of my life. I don't have my wife over my shoulder going, honey, this has perfect this or not so perfect that. This is a business and you have to look at it that way. So what I tell CEOs and, and business leaders and decision makers is, you should go to your other people you're interviewing and you should ask them to tell you how they're going to save you money. Don't have them tell you, I work for the biggest real estate company in the country. That doesn't mean anything. Don't tell have them tell you, I've been in the business for 40 years and I know every single building on the street and every single tenant. That won't save you any money. Ask them to tell you how they're going to save you money. Don't ask them to tell you, hey, I helped this guy sell his building for the most expensive price in town. That might just be a function of the market. What did you do? So for us, what we do, a couple of things different than uh, our competitors out there. Number one, as you mentioned, we only represent tenants. So we have no conflict of interest with any landlord, any developer, any property manager. So our goal is not to take you out and look at specific buildings and push building A because I have a relationship with them. I'm never going to call that landlord and say, hey, give me the listing to sell your property or give me some other business. I'm only as good as my last deal. Our company is only as good as its last deal. And so I need to be able to make sure we didn't leave any money on the table. The second is that we look at it, as I mentioned before, from the landlord's next best alternative. And we have developed over the years our own software, which has a unique model, which basically shows not only the total cost of a transaction for our client, the tenant, but also for the landlord. And we show those numbers to both parties. The numbers don't lie. So if the total cost of the transaction is is x and then the landlord and the tenant meet somewhere in the middle that's where you'll wind up making a deal it can't be a win-lose right and if everybody's got access to the numbers then it makes sense and so there's no threat from the landlord of hey if you don't sign this i'm gonna rent it to somebody else tomorrow and there's no threat of gee if i'm the tenant if you don't do this for me I'm going to pick up my toys and leave. Those might have some teeth to it, but it really doesn't get you where you need to be. So we look at the total expense and then we look at the present value of that income stream. Because again, in commercial real estate, you are signing a lease for a period of time. That period of time could be 
three to 10 years and the money over time and the increases in the rent and the upfront costs all go into the entire transaction. And so if I want to compare apples to apples, I need to be able to equate that uh, in some sort of uh, succinct analysis. So we've developed a software program that does that. And then we negotiate based on that. And then the other thing that's unique is it's not just about the rent. Obviously, the rent is the most important thing. When we talk to CFOs and people who are in control of money, they say, the most important thing is, what am I writing the check for every month? And I said, no, I get that. But what about the air conditioning? What about the parking lot maintenance? What about the landscaping? What about uh, if the roof leaks? What about if you want to sublease some space later on? What about if you sell the company? These are other things that go into the lease that could be very significant cost exposures or not, depending upon how you negotiate it. And so when we negotiate on behalf of the client, our hit list or our proposal might have 20 or 30 different items in it. It's not just the price. When And again, I don't want to demean buying a house, but typically when you buy a house, the, the only thing is the price. And then when can you close? In commercial, you have all these other things. If there's improvements that are required, I need to know who's paying for them. How's it going to get done? Who's building it? If there's free rent and then all of these other economic factors. And so you have to take all those into consideration. Some of those are nice to have. Some of those are have to have. Some of those are throwaways in exchange for other things. You need a negotiation strategy, right? You cannot walk in the front door and negotiate with your landlord who might have a lot more money than you or a lot more leverage out the gate and expect to get the desired result that you want. So we formulate a strategy. So when we talk to folks and they say we're interviewing a bunch of firms, I would say ask them to show you what they're going to save you. We already do that on the front end. We will do an analysis and we will come to the client and go, look, here's a range of where we think we should be based on our analysis. I, I cannot promise you will end up at the very low end of the stick, but I can give you a range of reasonableness. And if it's above the range of reasonableness, I don't think you want to do that deal. And now at least we have a platform of and an expectation of what we're looking at. The same applies when we're talking to the landlord. And so sometimes you're dealing with very sophisticated, multi-billion dollar Wall Street funds that get the money and understand it, and nobody's getting fired for leaving a couple of bucks on the table. And other times you're dealing with a very unsophisticated single property owner who's sitting on a porch, drinking a glass of lemonade in some other state who doesn't get it at all and doesn't like it, right? And so you have to also manage the personalities and understand who you're dealing with. And so part of any negotiation is in creating leverage is to understand who you're dealing with, what their motivations are. Some of these landlords are putting their kids through college with the rent money that's coming in. Some of our clients have paid for these buildings they've been in for 30 years, three times over. Some of the, our clients are paying for, the guy says, look, I can't talk to you. I'm going to be in Europe for the next three weeks. And you just paid for that guy's trip. And so you need to be cognizant of who's on the other end of the stick and you need to negotiate that way. So I, I would say those are some of the things. And then I think the biggest thing is that from our firm's perspective is you're not hiring Barry. Like it used to be that once upon a time very early on, but our company is a team approach. We have uh, experts, not only in negotiating, but also in research and market knowledge. And you have the full scope of the whole company behind you, as opposed to I'm hiring, no offense, I'm hiring Bill. And Bill comes in and says, hey, it's me, you get me. You call me, I'm on the golf course, you call me, I'm at the beach, you call me, it's fine. but you're not getting a company. And then conversely, if I work for a very large company, 
you, you, you may not be getting any of the resources of the company either. So it's team approach, it's unbiased approach, it's creative negotiating approach, and it's dealing with real numbers in a sophisticated way. And then hopefully that produces the best results that you can get at the end of the day. And hopefully we save our clients money. And I'll be the first to tell somebody I can't save you money. We're in a cost protection mode, but I'm certainly not going to cost you money by being involved in the process. And there's no scenario in which I'm not going to save you more money than what our fee is. And so that probably is a very good lead into maybe another question, which is how the heck do you get paid and how does that work? But I don't want to lead you anywhere. So very first off, I'm thinking to myself, as you're building this wall between yourself, your own firm, and the competitors, it's getting pretty large and tall and thick. So good job. That was beautiful. I loved it. Barry, look, you're a real estate company at the end of the day. So you're basically a commission-oriented company, or do you have a different model than that? Yeah. So it, it is commission, right? So for, for those who either don't fully understand it or believe it to be something different, I'll equate it to buying and selling a house. Okay. If you go to buy and sell a house. If you're selling the house, you hire a real estate broker. He puts a sign out front that says for sale and he runs some ads and he is your broker and you pay him. And if the buyer comes in and the buyer has a broker, you're paying that guy too because the seller pays the costs of the transaction. If the buyer comes in and negotiates on his own, does the buyer get a better deal because he doesn't have a broker? No one might think on the surface, maybe I would get a better deal. The answer is no, you don't get a better deal. Number one, you don't know what you're doing because you're not an expert. Number two, everybody else in the transaction knows you don't know what you're doing because you're not an expert. And then, and so you may get taken advantage of it. Number three, if there's no other broker, then the listing broker makes twice as much money. He keeps the whole commission. And if he doesn't, then the seller keeps the money. You, you don't get a better deal. It's a fallacy. In commercial real estate, it's the same thing. So the guy who or the gal whose sign is out front of the building, their goal is to fill the building. Their goal is to get you to pay as much as possible. And their client is the landlord. And that is who is paying them. And they may have an extended relationship with this particular owner. They may have handled their properties for years. They may have other properties they work on for them. They may be trying to get other business from them. For us, our goal is to get our client the best deal whatever that means. And our goal is to negotiate with the owner and or his agent to get the best deal. How does that work in terms of the fee? We split the fee with the person who is on the listing. It doesn't add any money to the transaction. It doesn't cost our clients any extra money to have professional assistance. And it evens the playing field. Now, I won't kid anybody. There's no free lunch. Nothing's free, right? Our fee, while you do not pay the fee physically, it is part of the overall transaction, whether you like it or not. No different than when you go get an insurance policy and you don't pay your insurance agent, but he's getting paid. He's not working for free. It's built into the cost of your policy. So the question someone should ask would be, how do you add more value than what your fee is? Otherwise, it's not really worth it for me to have you or anyone. And the answer to that is our fee is a very small percentage of what you're going to pay either on a monthly basis or over time. But you're absolutely right. If I can't add more value, then someone should take me out back and put me to bed and call it a day. And the answer is back to this analysis and this creative negotiating strategy to add value to your client at the end of the day. Time, money, knowledge, expertise, combination of all of the above, as opposed to here's a building. Don't you like the blue glass? And, and what do you think? 
that is just going through the motions. That is not adding any value in my book. Thanks. That was a beautiful answer. Barry, we've got a lot of people listening to you right now. They don't have any, any idea at all about being in real estate or having a real estate company. They own all kinds of companies. They own construction companies and distribution companies and accounting firms and law firms and so forth and so on. So they want to know how in the world you built your business. Did you bootstrap it? Did you get investors? How did you recruit people? So give us, Barry, out of your memory, the key milestones since day one in, in your organization. Yeah, and some of those memories I'd like to forget sooner rather than not, but I'll give you the highlights if I can. I started in commercial real estate in October of 1989, so I'll date myself. The commercial real estate market in California crashed in November of 1989. So 30 days in, I got a rude awakening. And that was before there was computerized multiple listing services, before the internet, before access to information was available. So when I started, they said the way you get clients is you go knock on doors and you get a new pair of shoes and you get a new suit and you walk around. And then once I did get a client, I'd say, how do I find them the office space? And they said to me, the firm that I worked for, there's a pile of uh, brochures in the corner. Why don't you look through those? See if you could find something. Because people wouldn't share information then. They thought it was better to harbor it. And so it, it really made it pretty difficult. And then on top of it, the market crashed. So now the, the opportunity there was people were looking to save money. Now people's rents were much more than what the market was. They were very open to have a conversation about how you could save money. They were not open to a conversation about, hey, do you want to move down the street and do you want to uh, get more space or get newer space or other things? And so the the very early on, the pitch of uh, how we can save time and money was a pitch of necessity because pitching somebody on moving and getting a new building just uh, wasn't going anywhere. Then I went around and I talked to other successful real estate brokers and managers of, of different brokerage firms. And I was frustrated. The market was struggling and, and I was looking at making a change. And I asked them the same question, how do you get your business? And then when you get the business, how do you do the business? And I didn't get very good answers. Uh, the answer I got was I belong to the country club and my dad's buddies give me their business because uh, they're friends with me. Or I, I met somebody at the bowling alley or at the bar. And, and those are just not good answers to me. I, what, what makes you different? Just like you would ask me and nobody had a good answer. When I looked around at what other companies I could go to that would provide a better platform for me, there weren't a lot of compelling different options. And so then I just said, look, I don't feel like anybody's really doing it any better. They just are older than me and have maybe better contacts. So maybe I just need to start networking, but then I also want to learn the market and I'll be more knowledgeable than them and I'll just work harder. And so I would just say it evolved from a combination of those things. At a typical real estate company, it, it is a inverse pyramid where you have support staff, but then you have everybody working on their own, trying to make deals. And you have all these people running around and then they are their own company. I dig up the deal. I work on the transaction. I close the transaction. I eat what I can kill. And then I go do it again. And it's just a circle. And if I stop or take a vacation, I have no money. And if I don't have other people on my team, or I don't have another resource to be able to do it, I, I'm only as good as what I can put in the day. And so I learned that very early on, which was time management, which is that I, I, while I could be good at digging up business, I could be good at doing the business, I could be good at researching the market, 
I, I wasn't very good at typing and I'm still not, but there are people that are better at those things than I am. And so as I built the business, the plan was really to get people that had those areas of expertise where I could maximize my time and then I could utilize their expertise to help grow the business. And so as we grew the business, it's really a team approach and it really is utilizing people and their skills to the best that they can and not assuming that somebody is good at everything. If that makes some sense. It does. So Barry, in your business today, how many different roles do you have then? I wear a bunch of hats, but the majority of it is I am not only running the the business and overseeing the day-to-day operations and dealing with the human resources and the banking, some of the basic operations that any business owner would do. But then I also get involved in selected real estate transactions. And then I'll oversee, if you will, in more of an advisory role to the brokers who are working on the transactions to give them guidance on how to structure the deal. I will sit in on meetings with clients. I will uh, get on conference calls and strategize. I will help crunch numbers so that we can make a deal. And so that our clients know that the guy whose name is on the door is still part of it and not just a figurehead. Uh, and also give the support to the people who work for me so that they know that they have it. And, and that's really been helpful in terms of not only staying in touch with the pulse of what's going on, but making sure everybody else feels you're still there. But there are only so many hours in the day. And so unless you're going to work till midnight, you, you've got to try and manage your time and your staff. And that's a struggle constantly, I think, for me and for any business owner. Talking about staff, Barry, tell us about, about your recruiting training, retention, philosophy vis-a-vis people. Yeah. And over the years, we've been doing this a long time. And so we brought in more seasoned people who have good and bad habits and have to deal with those. We have brought in younger folks and tried to train them from the ground up. And it's really, there's no magic wand. I've hired guys that worked doing a forklift at Home Depot, and then were very successful real estate people. I've hired people that were successful at other firms and then came here and, and just couldn't comprehend the, the model. Uh, and were used to going out to three-hour lunches, and that's how they would make their deal. And that, that, while that may work, it doesn't sustain itself to me at the end of the day. So we try and, and instill a pattern of hard work, creative work, time management, team approach, and try and get people that are like-minded to do that. The lone wolf in, in our firm, it's difficult to do that as much as it might work with other setups. It's more of a team approach here. So what's your management structure slash philosophy, Barry? Structure is like the door's always open. And then we try and work through the problems rather than yelling and screaming. There is plenty of competition out in the marketplace. There are plenty of people who would love to steal your client or do the deal instead of you. And then you, in our business, you really have two cells, right? So you have to convince the client to hire you. And then you have to go make the deal. So it's not just like uh, I'm selling a copier and then I make the sale and I'm done and here's your copier and I get my commission check. And I don't want to demean people who sell copiers, but I'm just saying for us, we have to not only convince the client to give us their trust, but then go earn it. And so it it is a constant uh, issue of being able to service the client. You can't take your foot off the pedal. So what do you feel is holding you back Right now, Barry, you and your firm. Uh, I feel like if the beach was closer to the office, then we could make it there much quicker and then we could get a lot more done in the day. But in, in terms of just 
From a practical standpoint, it's really just an issue of, I think, the guys that have been here for a while, we recognize that our goal is not to make a thousand transactions, it's to make a, a handful of good transactions. And, and so it's just a, a constant issue of working smarter and, and more efficiently and trying to make sure everybody stays happy and motivated. The, the good news about commercial real estate is that what I always liked was I could always pick up the phone or send an email in today's world and potentially create a deal and money from nothing. And so every day when you come to work, there's opportunity, right? Where, where and, and, and the flip side of that is I came to work and I sat on the phone all day or I worked hard and I didn't make any money. Because if you work on commission, there's very many, there's a lot of days you just don't make any money. There's a lot of days that could get very frustrating, but tomorrow's another day. And so if you can keep that attitude and you can, and, and it's not for everybody. If it was, everybody do it. But if you can keep that attitude and you can instill in your people that, hey, if today was a tough day or even this week was a tough week, there's always tomorrow and there's another day and you've got to look at it in the long haul and you've got to look at your pipeline and you've got to look at your business plan, not in a window of a day or a week. You've got to look at it over a period of time. So, so Barry, you're, you're a very resourceful fellow. We can all tell that. How would our various listeners get a hold of you? So they can go to our website at uh, saywitz.com, S-A-Y-W-I-T-Z. Uh, and then uh, they can certainly call us at 949-930-7500. You can Google Saywitz and find out all kinds of good stuff. Uh, and any of those places, we're on Facebook and LinkedIn and all the other normal channels. Beautiful. Barry, tell me, is there a question maybe that I should have thought about and asked you that I didn't and uh, that you could tee up answer that would give great value to our listening audience? I, I don't know that there's any one magic question, but I, I guess I get asked questions all the time in the boardroom or the conference room, which is, how is it that I know that you're going to fight for my best interest? The landlord is paying you. At the end of the day, I'm not paying you. So isn't that a conflict in of itself? And, and the truth of it is, it's a little bit of a conflict. I didn't create the playing field. That's how the yep. world works. Yep. At the same time, I tell people, look, we are only as good as our last deal. And I would love to use you as a reference for the next person that I talk to so that they can call you and you could say Barry and his firm are the greatest thing since sliced bread. And they saved me a bunch of money and I would highly recommend them. And so whatever that takes, that's what we're going to do. And, and then the flip side is I look at our clients' money as if it was my own. I don't like leaving money on the table. I don't like paying retail. And it's not a question of haggling, haggling. It's a question of structured negotiating. And, and so when you're playing with big money and you're playing with money over time, you, you have to have a strategy. You cannot just go in and hit somebody below the belt or say less is better than more, or you want a million dollars, I'll offer you 500,000 and maybe we'll meet in the middle. Those are just unsophisticated approaches. And for anybody that's out there that is dealing with commercial real estate, whether it's a lease, whether it's a purchase, whether it's a sale, whether it's getting rid of extra space, I would just say, look, and I tell people this all the time, if you're not going to hire us, hire somebody that you trust that will give you sound advice. That's number one. Surround yourself with people that give you good advice. I try to do that every day in our business, and I would recommend that other people do the same. And then we're happy to help. And if you find somebody that's better or smarter, or you think will save you more money than me, you should hire them. And if not, I'd hope you'd hire us. And hopefully we, we've given you some reasons why, you know, you should, and we're happy to help and we're not going anywhere. The company's been in business now for almost 50 years. 
and we're not planning on going anywhere anytime soon. And for those people out there, we're happy to help. We're happy to do some free analysis to give you the lay of the land of what we think we can save you or some uh, uh, game plan in terms of strategy. And so uh, reach out to us and, and let us know, and we're happy to work with you. Thanks, Barry. That was great. Thanks for your splendid comments. I, I loved it a lot. I happen to know the space pretty well, and I love the way you approach it, Barry. Yeah, and, and I appreciate you having me on the show and letting me rant and ramble and, and and talk about it. And for all your viewers and your listeners out there, hopefully they got some valuable information. And if you took one thing away, it's try, try and get some professionals around you and get you some more information so you just make, make smart decisions. That's really the gist of it. Barry, you're a philosopher. So everybody, in closing, let's focus on the single fact that our businesses do not become extraordinary in a single moment. Instead, they get there as a result of the owner first creating a visionary strategy, second, having a management system to execute on that strategy, and number three, leveraging high-performance teams. Now, you can get those three tools in your hands. Just go to getbillsgift.com, and you'll get them for absolutely nothing. Thanks for listening. Barry, thanks a lot for sharing your time and your wisdom with us today. Always a pleasure. Thanks.